This podcast is brought to you by Cashflow Mastery, the only revenue management course in our industry that teaches you step-by-step how to become a master revenue manager in your hosting business. For more info, check out getpaidforyourpad.com slash cashflowmastery. That's getpaidforyourpad.com slash cashflowmastery. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Welcome back to Get Paid for Your Pad. My guest today is Mr. Derek Barker. He's been on the podcast a couple of times, I think. He's the one of the founders of uh, Nectar, which is a well, I'll let you explain what Nectar is. Derek, welcome to the show. Ah, thanks. Thanks, Jasper. Yo, great to be back. Uh, great to be back on the show. It's been, I don't know, it's like a year and a half maybe since we, since we uh, since I was last on and you know, lots happened. So thanks for having me back. Yeah, uh, 100%, man. 100%. Uh, I can't believe it's, yeah, we connected uh, shortly before we had that mastermind in Mexico, right? In Oaxaca. Probably one of the best masterminds I've ever been to. Not one of it's like top two best masterminds in, of, of, across anything, any you know, any industry. <laughs> and I, you know, and for my for 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 listeners, my background. So I was in you know finance. I played football. I did a lot of stuff. A lot of different masterminds. Uh, these guys, they you know, y'all was the best. <laughs> ah, I love hearing that. And I, I I I'm not paying Derek to say that, by the way. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. But, um, awesome. But yeah. Well, well, give us, yeah, give us a quick update, dude. Uh, you know, tell us uh, for the people that don't know who, what Nectar is, like, give us a quick intro and uh, tell us what's going on in the last year and a half. Things have changed a little bit when it comes to interest rates and stuff. So we have a lot yeah. of interesting stuff to talk about. Yeah. So I'd love to do that. I'll start with like a quick background on me and then like a little bit about what Nectar does and then love to talk about interest rates because that's what everybody's uh, thinking about, at least everybody in my world. Um, so you know, my background is I'm a uh, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I, I started my first business when I was a, a freshman at at uh, Harvard University. It ended up doing really well, and I started buying real estate. So I built a bought, built, rehabbed, asset managed, property managed over 450 million dollars in assets, um, mostly in the multifamily space. So over 4,500 units of apartments. Um, uh, but also had a short term rental portfolio. So I had 125 short term rentals. Uh, that my partner Brittany, I was also my wife, and also the co-founder of Nectar. Uh, she built and ran that portfolio, um, and so that, that's my background. I'm an entrepreneur and real estate guy. At one real job, where I traded bonds at Goldman Sachs, so I was a bond trader too. But uh, that was a past life, or you know, but it was also really interesting and fun. Um, I started Nectar a couple years ago. Um, you know, really as a, and we provide basically working capital loans to professional real estate owners and operators. Uh, we started out in the short-term rental space primarily, um, you know, because we're looking at people's cash flow, net cash flow, and we'll lend against that. So we're not a mortgage. Uh, we'll work with your mortgage. So if you have a mortgage already and you have a stabilized cash flowing asset, that's like, you know, uh, it's low leverage. So not, if you're 90% leverage, there's nothing we can do with, you know, but if you have like a stable assets, we can provide a working capital loan that you can use for any purposes, similar to a cash out refi. So you can, people have used our funds to buy management companies or to do renovations by, you know, put in pools or hot tubs or uh, buy additional properties or just finish rehabs. Uh, it's super flexible. Buy a boat. One guy bought a boat. 
Um, so that's what we are. We're flexible capital for people with low leverage cash flowing assets. Tell me about the guy who bought a boat. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, he was, uh, he was in, he was on some lake. Is it Lake Placid? Maybe. Uh, uh, you know, he's, he was in, had, had some properties, a uh, bunch of properties in the lake and he wants to have a boat to rent out to them. So he wasn't buying a boat to just chill. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I imagine you're not going to lend, uh, cause I want a boat. Can you give me some cash? I'll, I'll buy a boat right now. Yeah, it was an income generating boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, cool, dude. And and you know, we talked about a year and a half ago. Uh, the 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 lending climate has, I feel like, has completely changed. I mean, you know a lot more about this stuff than I do. Uh, I just see the interest rates, and you know, they've been going up. Uh, I think they're at the highest since early two thousands, maybe, right? What's uh? What does that mean for? Is it just? Does that mean it's just way more expensive now to, you know, to to borrow money essentially? Yes, <laughs> but it means more more than just that. Um, we live in a world where asset prices are valued based off of discounted cash flows. What does that mean? That means that when you look at the value of a property people use in the real estate space, cap rates. All a cap rate is, is a rate that you discount future cash flows. That's why I used to, you know, uh, you're in the higher, like, and when interest rates are, and that's how all assets are valued. Um, the, you know, stocks, bonds, startups, uh, oil fields, you know, like that's how, that's just the world that we live in. When interest rates are higher, the value of future cash flows go down mathematically. Mm. So mm-hmm. not so interest rates make it harder to lend, but it also means that asset prices mathematically have to go down. And if we look at uh, if we look at what's happened in the past recessions over history, just going back to the 1800s, typically what happens is there is some kind of you can call it a bubble or run up. You know, there are good times. Uh, then there's some amount of worry about inflation and the Fed raises interest rates. Uh, they raise interest rates because, you know, to, to, to tame inflation. And the first thing that happens is, um, you know, lending gets more expensive for, you know, for banks. Then when lending is more expensive for banks, they pass that on to their customers by making loans uh, more expensive. And then for customers that, you know, are operating the economy's regular businesses, they have less access to capital. You have less access mm-hmm. to capital, you're less likely to pay people those higher wages or invest in that new thing. Uh, and then that investment or that spending, that's someone's income. So incomes go down. And it takes a long time for that whole process. And then when incomes go down, people spend less, which makes incomes go down more, which means that asset prices go down. But it takes a long time for that to all play out. On average, from the time the Fed stops raising interest rates to the time a recession starts is typically 10 months. On average, going back mm-hmm. to looking at the last recessions, uh, because it, you know, because it just takes a long time. We have a big economy with a lot of people doing a lot of things. It takes a long, like the Fed doesn't directly impact things; it's indirect. And so that's where we are right now. The Fed has stopped raising interest rates in July. Was it um, ten months? Is May? We're we're not there yet. So we're in this period where you can see, you know, banks have pulled back. Lending is more expensive. A lot of lenders, even though you know, they're they're not even focused on lending, they're, you know, even if they do have 
the money available and they can loan at higher rates, they're just not doing it. They're lower leverage because they think asset prices are going down, rightfully so. Mm. Um, so credit's not as available. It's harder to get money. Money is harder to come by. So that, and that's so where, that's where you at. step in. That's where we step in. Uh, you know, so like we're, it's a great environment to be a non-bank lender <laughs> we, <you> know, <laughs> uh, for, for, for many reasons. Uh, and specifically, you have you have people. You got a three percent mortgage on that property uh, that you got four years ago, um, and you have a ton of equity in that property because the past four years have been good. And you need liquidity. Well, you don't want to refi out of that three percent rate, you know. Right. Uh, and that's where we come in. We give you. We'll give you the liquidity you need without having to give up your mortgage, without having to get up that lower, right. or without having to go to a bank who doesn't want to lend. Like banks don't want to lend right now anyway. Yeah, I just I, I it's you know I have a bank account and you know I just recently moved to the states so you know I don't they don't know me for that long and you know I'm a foreigner and everything and and I, I just just for 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 fun I asked them like because uh, for you know for free wild like we're we're doing we just finished our renovations we're we're planning to build more units and we have private investors but just for fun I was wondering like what if we what if we didn't didn't have like private investors and we had we had to you know loan money from the bank right so I just told my banker I was like uh hey th- you know this is what we're doing this is what we're planning like uh, how much you know how, what would the process be like if we want to get like a construction loan or something and you know he asked me a couple questions and he was like yeah it's gonna be difficult man like you know right now that's like it's you know, it's very, very difficult to get these loans. Like your company has to be established and rent, you know, showing profit for like multiple years. Like we get re- really got to know you. Like we're, you know, the bank is not willing to take much risk right now. So I was like, okay, well, that's good to know. Yeah. And most by that times, every single capital allocator in the country, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> like debt and equity. It's just like cash is hard. It's like liquidity is hard to come by now. And that's not something that like people, I, I go and talk to people like, oh, well, we're just going to hold off for now until rates go back down. I don't think that that's happening in the near term, uh, but it might happen. But just let's talk about the Fed a little bit. And I'm, do you mind if I get a little nerdy and go down to, you know, rabbit hole Dude, this? I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm right with you there in Nerdland. So. All right. So the Fed is an institution like any institution and they have their heroes. And they have their villains. Inflation's one villain, but their hero is Paul Volcker. He tamed inflation in the 70s by keeping interest rates high and holding it high, even when there was stagflation and there's political pressure and there was, you know, all the things that happened. He said, Nope, I'm keeping interest rate high. And he ended up beating inflation. Inflation came down. And we've had a, after that 30 year bull run in rates, the 30 years of low inflation. Um, bef- the guy before him, Face the economy that you know there was inflation, and he raised rates, and then the economy came into recession, and inflation went down a little bit, and then he cut rates quickly. Now, I'm forgetting his name. I, I I don't know why I'm forgetting his name, but we can look it up. The guy before Paul Volcker, and then when he cut rates, inflation came back, and he is the villain of the Fed. Like everybody remembers that. Every if you work on the Fed, you remember mm. both those two guys. Hero, villain. What Jerome Powell is not gonna do is he's not going to be a villain who like it's already happened in the seventies where there was inflation, they raised rates then they cut rates too early and inflation came back. 
Like he's not going to do that. Like no one at the Fed wants to do that. They look like they're paying attention. Like they're an institution that has a culture and their culture is we're not doing that. So they're not going to cut rates until people are begging, until the economy is crashing and stocks are down 40%. And, you know, there's political pressure and there's, uh, you know, economic pressure and there are people protesting saying, hey, you know, the Fed is terrible. Who like, you know, and, and then and the world is falling apart. And then Jay Powell will say, okay, I guess things are bad enough for our lower rates. That's what we need to see happen in order to see rates going back down. That's, that's, you know, that's, that's what I believe. Now, people disagree and, you know, people out there can disagree. No, I'm just going to hold out. I don't think that holding out is going to be something that makes sense uh, if you're waiting for, you know, rates to go down. Uh, but I do think because of that, because of that history, uh, because of that perspective at the Fed, like we're going to hold rates higher and we're going to see pain. He says it. Just listen to the word he says. There will be pain in the economy. He's not kidding. He, that's what he wants mm-hmm. to see to lower rates. Because of that, they're going to be buying opportunities. But the buying opportunities are going to come when people are like when the headlines are scary headlines and the stock market is, is a scary place and things are going down. And nobody wants to buy because everybody's scared. That's when the opportunities are going to come. So if you're holding out, I'd hold out for that. Got it. Okay, two questions for you. Number one is, um, so Paul Volcker in the 70s raised the interest rates, I think all the way up to like almost 20%. Isn't that right? Something like that, yeah. And, and I hear you saying that the, the Fed has now stopped. Are, are they, did they really stop or, or did they just kind of pause? Uh, I know that they are going to uh, uh, do what they think is best and that I don't know. I know for a fact that I don't know. <laughs> Wait, are you telling uh, me you can't was, predict the future? I think it was Will Miller. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, uh, are you telling me you can't predict the future? I'm telling you that, yeah, you know, <laughs> my, my future prediction uh, capabilities are not, are not great. Yes. And I can tell you what happened then. And even though time changed, human beings don't change that much. Like human nature stays the same. And that's why we have economic cycles because people are still right. the same people they were a thousand years ago. Same human nature. Yeah. It's just, just different clothes. So, <laughs> so basically it, what's happening is, you know, we have these higher interest rates. It's harder, it's harder to borrow money. Right. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, 70% of mortgages are like below 4% or something like that. So no one wants to sell the house because then they're, they're you know, they're, they're going to lose their mortgage essentially, right? So mm-hmm. are we seeing like just a, a kind of a, a slowdown in like sales in the, in the real estate market? Is that what's happening? That's what's happening. That's what's happening now. Like you know, single family sales of, like, and multifamily across the board in real estate, transaction volume is cratered, is down. Um, because the people who don't have to sell, they know it's not a great time to sell. Uh, and the people, and people don't have to buy and they want, they're, they're putting their performer and they want prices to be lower. Uh, so like that's, so yeah. volumes have gone down. And in the single family market, I don't feel convicted that the prices are going to go down a lot because yeah, you have this lock-in effect where they're 30 year mortgages and most mortgages are, are long-term. So people don't have to sell. Um, you have developers, right. but you know, that's not that much supply. Um, the multifamily space though, uh, other places in commercial real estate, there's just shorter term debt and, and there's a lot more supply. There's a lot of things that are currently being built that are going to deliver and they're going to price, uh, and you know, they're going to, you know, and those developers, once they finish building, they don't want to hold these assets. You know, they have 
short-term construction loans and they're going to sell. They're going to find where the market is. And they're going to sell. And that's going to change prices. That's going to change rents. Uh, it's going to impact the market. Single family is not clear. I don't know. I can't predict the future. But uh, you, know, it's, it, you have this 30-year lock-in effect that yeah, might right. Yeah. So you're saying for the for the multifamily, like the developers, basically they they finish their project, they they got to sell, you know, they got to sell these 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 units. Um, but because the interest rate is so high high now, like people can't afford very high prices, right? Because like if the interest rate is like let's say three percent versus six percent, well that means you know it's, it's only a difference of three percent, but that means your monthly payment doubles. Right, so like right. people can't afford to pay a lot for these things, so they're going to sell them at lower prices. So I guess there's a buying opportunity potentially, right? Potentially, yeah. If you have I cash, mean, right? If, if you don't you have, have to cash. borrow, yeah. And these and these developers who are building these properties, I mean, for all my people out there doing like you know fix and flips and uh, developing properties, how often do your projects go over budget? Like that's a, it's a common thing. And if you once you get finished and you have an over budget project that you've had to fund, you haven't made any income in a while, and you have a loan coming due, there's a lot of pressure to to sell <laughs> and get that cash yeah. back in your pocket. Uh, and if if the market is not the perfect time, like there are going to be some people that are like, I'm just going to going to hold, I'm going to refi, I just have to. But there are a lot of people who just they don't have the liquidity. Even big developers and small developers and medium sized developers, they're all playing the same game. Uh, or mm. similar games. They're playing the same. They're yeah. going to have the same factors. It's going to so, you know, cost supply. Um, supply is going to hit the market. It's going to push prices down. Uh, it's just going to happen. Again, single family is hard to know. You have so much of the stock of housing that's just locked in to thirty-year mortgages. Um, uh, and, you know, developers they still you know people develop single-family properties too. Uh, but I don't know. It's, it's harder. It's harder to tell. It's harder to see like the, a straight forcing function. Yeah. So, so you're saying, you know, the the you're saying the Fed has just stopped raising the interest rates um, now, and, and you're saying like typically, like obviously we can't predict the future, but typically it takes about ten months for for that to work through the economy and and for the effects to be, you know, visible in terms of like you know some people might lose their jobs and like. You know, consumer spending goes down and everything, and then we're you know we're talking. I think officially you talk about recession when there's two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. So yep. then, like, um, so then, like, is it you know, like, uh, would the would the Federal Reserve because they also worry about the economy, right? Like, you think they they might just you know bring interest rates back down a little bit if unemployment starts to raise rise? The Fed has the, what they call a dual mandate, but there's one reason the Fed exists, and that is inflation. Like that is their primary goal, and they say it, and it's like I don't know. Again, it's an institution with customs and norms, and they're like their big thing is inflation. Inflation is the boogeyman. That's the thing that they wake up at night and are worried about, uh, and they're worried less about. And like they know in like in their mind, the way that you stop inflation is getting people fired so that they don't have the money to spend on goods like that is how it works they they do the things that it takes to bring unemployment higher and when there's higher mm -hmm. unemployment then people don't have money because they don't have jobs and people don't have money because they don't have jobs they spend less money because they don't have a job that is like that's the way it works how do they get people to mm -hmm. lose their jobs they raise interest rates 
And eventually raising interest rates turns into job loss. Like that is the way that it like that's so uh, are they worried about a recession? Like they're specifically doing this to cause a recession. And they're specifically doing this to cause unemployment to go up. That's the game. That's what they're trying to do. Uh, so Man, that, are they that, worried about it? They're worried about it getting too bad, <laughs> but they <laughs> want it to happen. <laughs> right. I imagine like this, uh, being the president of the Fed, like uh, especially in a situation like this, might not be the most popular person in the world if, if your goal is to cross a recession. <laughs> no. <laughs> Paul Volcker wasn't either, but he's their hero. Like he was not a popular right. person, but you know, but he is—he's right. he's their hero. He became popular later on, right? Um, but it took yeah, a long like time. Looking back, because looking back, because when you're in the in the heat of the moment, like I'm sure, like everybody that you know, if you lose your job or something, you're gonna look at that fat guy and be like, "What the hell," you know? But then, like looking back ten years later, you see, like, oh, okay, well, if we if inflation would have uh, gotten out of control, that probably like more people would have lost their jobs, right? You can, I mean, look at. What happened in Germany in the 1920s, and then look at countries like you know Zimbabwe, Argentina. I mean, there's a lot of examples where that actually happens, where they don't, where they didn't raise those those rates because they're like, oh well, we don't want to cause a recession, so let's you know whatever, let the inflation just be, let it be, and then uh, before you know it, it it gets out of control, and then that's even worse for for the country, right? So Zimbabwe, I mean, some of these countries they have they're very different, like you know. They're, they're very different because they, they ultimately they they're we uh, uh, there was a world war we won it because we had an atom bomb where you like we're saying hey we'll just blow up your whole city uh, if you uh, mess with us and so we won that world war right that's what happened we destroyed the economic base of like the rest of the developed world uh, through the war right the war was over in Europe we had oceans between us they only attacked us once in Hawaii because it takes a long time to get from the where the war war was which is Asia and Europe to here. So we had an economy and we, everyone else was blown up. So that, that happened. Because of that, the world uses our money. The world still uses mm -hmm. our money. If you want to buy some oil, you use a dollar. You know, if you want to buy like, so because of that, you can't really compare us to these other places. However, we can still screw it up and we're doing our best to screw it up. Uh, you know, you can, you, can, you, can, you can still do it. And you do that by, um, you know, having $2 trillion deficits. By having a you know <laughs> instability, uh, by uh, but the fundamentals are you have by you have more demand for you have more dollars chasing not enough goods, uh, so consistently underinvesting in the in product in productivity uh, for a generation and uh, and consistently like uh, creating more dollars than you're creating. Um, like actual goods and services, that's how you get inflation. And we've done it. That's what we've done. We've consistently underinvested uh, in, you know, I don't know, in, 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 the, in, in our capacity to produce. We're trying to reverse some of that. Uh, we have these huge deficits. Our tax receipts are going down. We've like cut taxes. Uh, so our tax receipts are, are, are going down. Uh, our, our economy is growing. It's helping. So yeah, we have the conditions for recession, but it's not going to be Zimbabwe just because we don't have uh, mm. Because we we have uh, like the economy is based on our dollar because we've like you know right. because of the the historical events that have happened, but we can still well, have. That's interesting. You, know, you mentioned that you, you know I, I lived in Panama for two years and uh, I remember when I first moved to Panama, like I was like uh, I go to the cash machine at the airport and it's like dollars, you know, and I'm like, wait, where where can I get like the local currency? 
And then it turns out that was the local currency. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. They're basically using dollars. It's funny, like the, the country just says like, hey, let's, you know, let's lose another country's money. Um, I, it, was, it was funny because I was thinking like, where did it get the, all these dollars in the first place? Like, they just like go to the Fed and said like, hey, can you guys give us a, you know, give us a bunch of dollars so that we could use dollars as a currency so we don't have to, oh, we have to make our own? Uh, yeah. I mean, or if you want to, if you need American assets and you need to bring dollars in in order to spend them on, on those American assets. And America is still a great place to invest. It's safe. Uh, you know, our economy grows. Uh, that's why people want dollars to invest in dollar assets. Uh, and I don't know that that's still the case even to this day. Uh, and I, I, that's not, I don't think that's not going to change in this cycle. But what, <laughs> but what, right. what, what can happen is our economy can still go down asset prices can still go down even if we don't have zimbabwe like inflation we can have asset prices going down um the, right. and raising rates is the opposite like you know it, it literally is the opposite of inflation right inflation is the dollars being worth less if you raise interest rates then you get paid more to own dollars you get paid more to own treasuries right yeah. you used to get paid yeah. nothing now you get paid five percent so it's like making it more valuable to have dollars because you have a dollar you can buy a treasury uh, so for that, like the dollar value should go up, uh, but asset prices should go down. The asset price, if dollars go up, the assets that, uh, you, um, buy with those dollars go down relatively. Mm -hmm. Also, like uh, I, I noticed that, um, the third quarter, the U S GDP grew at 4.9%, which is pretty, crazy. that's a solid number, right? So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. Enough. When you look at that number, you think, wow, that's, that's very solid growth. Like what, what? What? What are we talking about? Recessions? Five percent, like GDP growth? Yeah, it's great. That's a lot. It's great. To be honest, you know what? I I hope like it, firstly, yeah, that's just a lot. It's just nothing other than that's a lot. Our economy is resilient. You know, it's this resilient economy. We still have a, like a pretty strong economy. Uh, no matter people try to beat up on the U.S., we still have a strong economy. We have a lot of people doing a lot of cool things and it's growing. Um, you know, and maybe the recession isn't going to be that bad. But asset prices are gonna like you know go down just because you got to make the math work. Mm -hmm. When you're going to buy a deal and you underwrite the deal with this and it's the same numbers as last year, uh, except for the interest rate is twice as high. Something has to give. It's gonna be prices. Yeah. You know what? Like, let me let me share my screen real quick here. I'm gonna show you uh, this because I'm, I'm looking at the graph of the U.S. Uh, GDP growth over the last few years. You see that? You see this graph over here? Ah, okay. Can you see it? Yeah. So yeah, for yeah. the for those who are listening and we're not watching on YouTube, let me uh, let me explain what we're looking at. So we're we're actually looking at the U.S. real gross domestic product, uh, the percentage change from starting in 2021 all the way down to the third quarter of 2023. And what we're looking at is that. Um, you know the, the the GDP growth was was very solid in 2021. It was like five, six, three point three, seven percent even. Then we had two quarters of negative economic growth. So technically, that was a recession, I guess. Q1 of 2022, and then the second quarter of 2022, we had a small negative GDP growth, and then we kind of hoovered around like the two to two and a half percent. And now suddenly it's like 4.9. So when I look at this. When I look at this, I feel like, oh, we already had the recession. Now we're out of it. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Right? That's what it looks like. 
I don't know, but what you had in Q2 2022, uh, or no, sorry, what you, you had at the beginning of this year is you had like banks failing, right? When a bank fails, like the people that they would lend to in the future are now not getting loans. And it takes time for those people who would have gotten loans from these banks that failed to not get the loans. And then it takes time for them to like not have the money and for it to uh, um, uh, result in them not hiring. And that not hiring to result in less income, that less income to result in layoffs. It just takes time. I don't know. Like uh, in like that Q1, Q2, like that at that point, the Fed hadn't stopped raising. The Fed was continuing to raise. Uh, so mm-hmm. like maybe if you would go back, I don't have this chart, but if you can go back and show the chart of like uh, Fed, like, you know, Fed funds rate and GDP growth, uh, you know, First, it goes up, and then there's a recession later. It's not that there's a recession, and then it goes up, and then things are fine. That, the, that chart that you showed is like there is maybe a little recession, but the rate kept going up. Uh, and like when the rate keeps, like, I don't know, I, I just I have not seen it happen where the Fed funds rate goes up, it stops, uh, and then everything keeps going up, and then like it goes back down. Maybe it will happen this time, though. It might happen this time. I hope so. It makes everybody. It makes my life a little bit easier. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe in the short term. But in the long term, we, we want recessions. It's good for the, it's good for the long term viability. It washes out some of the, you know, some of the businesses that you know, some of the excesses, and then it resets asset prices at a level where people can buy. And for mm-hmm. uh, like a lot of people in the short term rental space are young, youngish. Like you know, I, I call myself young. I'm still young, right? You know, thirties accounts. Um, and we haven't had a chance to go and really get the good deals that are around when there are uh, recessions, uh, when asset prices reset. And yeah, we're getting our shot. So just be ready. Like you see it. Uh, so just like prepare yourself, have liquidity, like, you know, just have mm-hmm. liquidity. And if things are bad, then you'll have the liquidity to take advantage, uh, to make it through and to take advantage of the upswing. And if things aren't mm-hmm. bad, then, you know, then you'll still have liquidity. And then you, you'll, you'll look around and be like, oh, well, you know. It's December 2024. There was no recession, and then you can like invest at that time, and you know, the, and, and, and things will be fine. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna have to schedule a podcast with you in in uh, December 2024 and see see if your predictions came true. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> All we right. at, well, listen, at Nectar, that- you know, even though even though like you no know, Nectar specifically, uh, you know, circle back. We started this business to give people with low leverage cash flowing assets as access to liquidity in any environment. Like the, like what I believe is that in no matter what happens, if the, if the economy is good or the economy is bad, you have people that are prudent and you have people that are reaching and that are doing things that are not prudent. Uh, the people who win out in recessions are people who are prudent before the recession. The people who have low leverage make it. If you have high leverage, don't. That's the way it works. If you have liquidity, make it. The people who have assets that are cash flowing and that are stabilized, they make it because they don't need to sell. They can just sit around like, oh, I'll just sit on my cash flow. Maybe my cash flow is a little bit less, but you're going to make it and they're going to be around. And what Nectar is here to do, we've created Nectar to give people who have low leverage cash flowing assets the liquidity they need to do whatever it is they need to do in any environment. Because those are going to be the people who make it. Uh, and they're going right. to be the people to dominate when we come out of the recession. The good thing about recessions is you come out of them and then there's 
long runway to take less risk and have big upside. Uh, the people who have low leverage, the people who have liquidity, the people who have assets that are cash flowing, they're going to be in the best position to take advantage of the mishaps that happen in a recession. Uh, I'm super excited because we've been able to find a lot of these people and I'm even more excited uh, you know, to continue to lend through this environment uh, and help people dominate and be and come out of this stronger than ever uh, mm -hmm. with assets that they got uh, you know, and get deals and, you know, that they underwrite yeah. prudently, you know, because it was a, you know, they were tougher times. So. And buy boats. Yeah. And short-term <laughs> rentals are going to be like, maybe, maybe, you know, there might be a, a short-term rental recession. Maybe if there's, if consumer spending is down and people are getting fired from their jobs, there's going to be, but afterwards, if you think that there was like revenge travel after the, you know, COVID there's going to be revenge travel you know, once mm -hmm. the recession's over and people are back in their jobs and people are like, and they don't have this overhang. Uh, and yeah. the people who are prepared and still own their assets and have low leverage, they're going to they're gonna benefit. But also, you know, like if, if if incomes come down a little bit and we we do get a slowdown in the economy, right? It doesn't, that's not necessarily a, a threat to demand in, in, in every market because like, imagine like, you know we're we're close to like LA and San Diego, and I'm thinking like, you know, if I if I if I have a lot of cash, I might go to the Maldives or something, you know, for two weeks. Like, you know, my wife would like that. You know, to sit in a romantic, uh, you know, little cabin in the, in the ocean, watch the sharks and stuff like that. But if like things are a little tight, I might just go to Idaho, two-hour drive. You know. So yeah. Yeah, you, you know, it's gonna. It's not necessarily gonna bad for every market. That was what we saw during COVID, right? Like everyone's freaking out during COVID. Like, oh, the whole, you know, it's the the big bust, and like everyone's everyone everyone's gonna lose their business and everything. And a couple months later, like people are like, oh, damn, like we've never seen this high demand because people stopped flying, so now they drive up and you know stay close to home. Yeah, uh, I mean. COVID was just a very specific thing that this is not going to be. Uh, in COVID, there was like, yeah, there was a pandemic, you know? So like people couldn't, you know, weren't traveling, weren't flying. They were staying in. They weren't, weren't at work. And the government like get, stimulated the economy in a historic way. The government is doing the exact opposite. They're taking stimulus out of the economy. So yeah, everything's not going to be doom and gloom, but the uh, aggregate demand uh, is going to go down. Aggregate demand. So that means that like, you know, even if, yeah, there are going to be some people who they would go to the Maldives. Now they're going to go to Free Wild. Uh, there are some people who would go to Free Wild. Now they're going to the Best Western. And there are people that would go to the Best Western that are going to be uh, staying at home job hunting. And like you know, <laughs> you know, uh, you know they're, they're, uh, I don't know that that was that was kind of trite. So I, I didn't mean I, I didn't mean to be offensive in any way. But like that's um you know the the aggregate. If the unemployment rate goes from three percent to five percent, then that's two percent of people who are going to take a vacation who are maybe 3% of people. So it's not going to, not going to be huge, but it's just that 3% means you're probably not growing. And the people who are the weakest hands are going to be hurt the worst. The people who underwrote, Oh, I have to get this 3% rent growth every month or every year, or else I'm not going to be able to cover my you know, refinance my mortgage. They're going to be hurt. And the people who, you know, have some capacity and have some slack and have low leverage, they're going to be like, oh, okay, well, it's not that bad. You know, it's a 3%, so instead of rents going up three percent, ADRs went down three percent. Okay, I'm fine. Uh, you know that's how you know some people is, is going to be that. Right. So let's let's talk uh, let's talk a little bit more about uh, nectar and like your your process. So if somebody's listening now and thinking, okay, you know what, 
I, I, I just did some market research and uh, I decided that um, investing in a hot tub is going to raise my ADR uh, by so much that I'll make, I'll make my investment back in a year, right? Which is actually probably, probably a pretty good idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, okay, you know, I want to invest like 15K in, in the hot tub, right? I don't have that cash lying around. So I called Derek and I'm like, Derek, I want to... You know, buy the hot up. Well, like, what, what, how's, uh, what do I do? What are the next steps? Uh, so we're, you know, we're not looking at your hot tub investment and what it does to ADRs. Like, that's not a part of our process in any way. We're looking at, give, like, we want to see your portfolio. We're looking at an entity. So if you have every property in different entities, we can look at it entity by entity. If you have one pro, one entity with a ton of properties, we're looking at all the properties in that entity. So we attach at the entity level. But we're looking at what are the actual cash flows that you have made in the past 12 months? What, is the, like, what are the actual numbers of your net income after debt service? That's what we're looking at. And, we're, and we'll say, okay, we'll take that. We'll say, okay, well, we'll do a stress test. What happens if you're down 15%? Uh, you know, you know, what does that look like? To make sure that you could have the margin to survive whatever might come. And then we lend against that. And so if you can, if like, if you can still pay us back you know, uh, even even like based not based off of any projections, but based off of what you're currently doing, um, uh, you know, then we'll lend. And we can. We're our typical deal size is probably two hundred fifty thousand or three hundred thousand. Uh, so typically, we're looking at like you know bigger properties or multiple properties, portfolios of properties, or like multifamily. Um, uh, so we'll but we'll do smaller deals. You know, fifty thousand dollars or, or the like. Um, so. Uh, so a few hot tubs. <laughs> uh, and that's, yeah, and we'll you, you give us your PNL or a really fancy at, one, or a really fancy one. Yeah. Uh, so we'll look at the net cash flow. We'll look at your loan, loan docs, all your all your debt. We will want to see all your debt and all those docs. Um, we'll connect to your bank account. Really, we just make you know we connect to your bank account to make sure that it matches your PNL uh, and that you pay your bills. You know, you'd be surprised. We got a lot of people who's like they're borrowing from us. It's like, but you have like. 70 NSFs, like you're not paying your bills. We're not, we're not going to lend to you. Um, and that's it. That's it. You know, we're just trying to still see, are you making cash flow? What does your current debt picture look like? Are you over levered and do you pay your bills? And if the answer is yes to those things, then, you know, we'll, we'll lend and you can do whatever you want with the money. Got it. And then how do we pay back? Over time, like over time. So typically we do one to five year terms and you know, it's just monthly payments out of cash flow. Uh, so uh, it's no balloon pay. You know, typically there are no balloon payments at the end, although we can structure it uh, so that there's a balloon payment in, for, in certain cases. Um, but, you know, there's, you know, you have equal monthly payments for one to five years, uh, depending on kind of what you want to do. And that's it. Then we go away. And that's it. Uh, that's how it works. Awesome. Awesome, dude. Um any anything we had we you want to discuss that we haven't talked about yet because we're we've been talking for forty minutes like time flies. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think we you know we got a bunch of things. You know, I, I got to talk to, uh, about my favorite thing, which is interest. And sorry if I'm kind of bearish <laughs> uh, uh, here, but uh, no, there are people out there. I guess realistic, like, realistic, and and look in these environments is when the people who have been prudent, the people who have strong business businesses, who have invested in their operations, who've invested in like 
uh, in having in their capital stack and having low leverage and high cash flow, and have just done things the right way, this is your time to shine. Like for a long time, it's like it's just whoever can get the flashiest thing, whoever can just be buying the most stuff, and like yo, and who's just scaling fastest. Uh, is that's what that's the economy has uh, benefited people who have just are just moving fast and growing fast. Um, and mm-hmm. you can do that, but now the emphasis is going to go away from that and the core of what the fundamentals of your business. Do you have strong operations? Do you have a strong brand that stands out in the market? Do you have a strong property that stands out in the market that people love? Have you been? Do you have strong financial operations? Are you low leverage? Those are the people who are going to stand out and be able to take advantage of this environment. We're looking for those people and we want to be a capital partner to those people uh, to provide liquidity to, to dominate. And now is the time. Now is the time to, to dominate. Now is the time to dominate. I like, I like that. Let's, let's wrap it up with that. Um, and for the people who are interested in working with Nectar, uh, people are interested in uh, <clears throat> finding out the, you know, how, how to get a loan from you guys, like what's, uh, what's the best step? Best step is to reach out to us. Uh, you know, Jasper will dro- drop a link uh, in, in, in the show notes or wherever the, the notes are. Uh, but like, um, uh, one is, uh, I don't know, dude, what, what was the, oh, usenectar.com slash overnight success. And then, um, sorry, I don't know the- I'll create, I'll create a link for people. Okay, I'll create a link for people. I, I know how to do that. We can just, we can just, uh, we can just have a link, getpayforyourpad.com slash nectar. Yes. And then yes, that will redirect to the, to the best place. And then, uh, obviously, you're going to have to give people from Get Paid for Your Pad, you have to give them a VIP treatment. Oh, yeah. VIP treatment. Anyone who comes through Get Paid for Your Pad. So we, ha- we typically have like a wait list of like people who are like uh, looking for funds. Uh, sometimes we get backed up. Usually we can process through uh, very quickly, but sometimes we get backed up. Anyone who comes through Get Paid for Your Pad, we'll put at the front of the line. Uh, so it's VIP treatment. There's a line around the corner. The bouncers will see the get paid for your pet and they will let you to the front of the line. We'll get back to you immediately. Our underwriters will put your files first, uh, both in the beginning for the quote phase and then all the way through until you get the dollars in your account. Boom. That's what I like to hear. And it's pretty fast anyway, because, uh, you know, a typical turnaround is like seven. I'm just seeing on your website, right? But I know from the from the people that I know that worked with you, like a bunch of our uh, people in our mastermind and, and Legends X have, have worked with you, so I know it's a fast turnaround uh, anyway. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll just go to getpaidforyourpad.com slash nectar, and then we'll so it's n a n e c t a r, and then you'll you'll be directed to the right page where they're going to treat you like a king or queen. Yes, exactly, exactly, and 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 we'll and we'll give you our best rates. Uh, so we have we, we have rates that are tiered. Uh, I can't tell you what those rates are because it depends on what your portfolio looks like. Uh, but but we'll like we'll give you the the get paid for your pet boost uh, to take you to that next tier. Boom, love it. All right, Derek, always a pleasure to uh, talk with you. Um, you know, I'm gonna sit in the corner and cry a little bit because I'm worried about the recession now. But you know, <laughs> yeah, you cry a little just bit. Just kidding. But then just get like ten months. We have we have some time. Get ready uh weather through it and then we'll have the best money making opportunities of our generation that's right that's right there's uh more more millionaires are made during recessions uh and then in uh in the good times actually because what you mentioned is like there's opportunities right 
there's opportunities that uh, that will come. So be ready, and uh, I think we'll be fine. You know, yeah, everything yep. everything will be fine. Don't worry about it. Okay, cool. everything will be fine. Just Derek. stay alive. Keep kicking, and then even if the, even if they even if they have bad things happen, you know that's fine. You know, there are plenty. Uh, one of my investors lost a ton of money uh, in the uh, recession happened in eighty seven or eighty eight. I don't remember. It was, I was I was busy being born, uh, but you know. And then he said he lost everything. And you know what? He built a portfolio that was way bigger and way better, right? You know, because there's opportunity after recession. So so right. you know, keep living, keep working. It's a grind. All right. Let's do it. Uh, thanks, Bar- uh, thanks, Derek. I appreciate you uh, jumping on here. And uh, for the listeners, I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. <laughs> hope you're uh, not uh, feeling depressed right now. And, uh, you know, make sure the next episode is going to be like a very positive one. You know, just balance it out. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for having me on, Jasper. All right. Thanks uh, for listening, everybody. We'll be back next time. Have a great week or weekend. And we'll see you soon. Get paid for your pet. I have a question for you. Do you have a solid revenue management strategy in place to maximize the revenue for your listings? Is revenue management part of your daily routine? If not, then you're leaving money on the table. The days that we can ignore revenue management in our hosting business and still do well are over, my friends, and they won't come back. So if you either don't use dynamic pricing and manually enter prices on the OTAs, or you have a pricing tool set up, but you're not sure how to use it correctly, then the cash flow mastery is for you. In this brand new course, I teach you step-by-step how to set up your pricing tool, create a winning revenue management strategy, and give you a daily, weekly, and monthly workflow to evaluate your portfolio performance and make strategic price adjustments. I walk you through how we set up our revenue management for FreeWild, from setting up your base price, to minimize stays, length of stay discounts, adjacent day pricing, orphan night pricing, and much more. On top of that, you'll get access to countless of calculators and tracking sheets that will give you the insights you need to make the right pricing decisions. The course comes with a Facebook group where you can ask questions every day and monthly live Zoom calls to help you stay on track. Do you want to manage your revenue and master your cash flow? Then sign up now at getpaidforyourpad.com slash cashflowmastery. That is getpaidforyourpad.com slash cashflowmastery.